up, Danny? How's it going, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. It's ready for another episode of Fried Squirms. This week's a very special episode. It's a head-to-head matchup. Exorcist The Beginning versus Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. Before we get there, let's do our green hits, start getting hot. We're going to need it for this. Man, you ain't never lie. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right, so what did you bring for me again? Okay, so I brought over a joint of lemonade, and I got it from the same dispensary I normally get it from here in town for our pre-rolls, and that's from Remedy. So long story short, lemonade strain, it's a 60-40 sativa dominant cross of lemon OG and gorilla haze. It's known for its inspiring euphoric high and incredibly fruity lemon citrus smell and flavor. It says that for those who are seeking relief from mood debilitating disorders, pain, inflammation, arthritis, muscle tension, and cramping just found their new favorite strain. So, Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I've brought this before, possibly even last week. I don't fucking remember. But I just brought in some blueberry silver tip. So the silver tip, Montana silver tip, yeah. super silver haze, and GDP. Nice. Uh, so you have the silver tip mixed with blueberry. Yeah. Tastes good. like it a lot. I usually prefer the straight up silver tip a little bit more, but you can't go wrong when you can get some of these Grand Prix rolls oh, for man. as cheap as you can around here sometimes. So. Yeah, sometimes you got to jump on it. So I'm going to light up that lemonade. I know that you got that silver tip going, and yeah, then we'll dude. get into the guts and bolts of these movies. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Who and what went into these movies? This is going to be interesting to do. I trust in you having the other part of it. Oh, yeah. I'll start off with the setup. Spoiler-free setup for both of these films. Father Lancaster Marin is troubled by his time in the war and is having a crisis of faith and is dealing with an archaeological dig in Africa that turns more sinister than what he expected as a prequel to The Exorcist. That is the setup for both of these movies. And there's a very special reason why it's a setup for both of these movies and why we're doing this as a fucking head-to-head episode. So first, they had a script that was entitled Exorcist The Beginning. John Frankenheimer was supposed to direct. He stepped down and died. They pulled in Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader made most of a movie. They even started putting out a teaser trailer. And then, who was it Morgan Creek was the production on this? Morgan Creek got cold feet, shelved the movie, and decided to pony up the cash to remake the movie that they had just made. Hmm. Slightly differences to the script, though it's very obviously based on the same outline when you're going through these movies. All done by Rennie Harlan, five-time... Golden Raspberry nominated Rennie Harlan. And they put that out as Exorcist the Beginning, the second movie. Mm -hmm. It then did terrible at the box office. (laughs) Morgan Creek not wanting to waste all of this time (laughs) that they put into this and money, tried to then... (laughs) They hired an editor to put out the movie that they had shelved. He refused to do it without Paul Schrader's input. They gave Paul Schrader, what, like $35,000 and like a couple days to finish it up? (laughs) It's craziness. So he, with a very minimal budget and time, finishes the movie that had been shelved that was originally titled Exorcist the Beginning. 
that was then put out as Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. Yes. <laughs> There's no way that we could have talked about either of these God. films separately and not brought up the other one, so we decided, fuck it, let's do them both. Why not both? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so if that's not confusing enough, we'll try to make it easier as we go along, but the way I'm going to do this, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air, but I'll start with the beginning. Only reason why is because it was released first, so I'll mention all the people that were involved with it. And if there's repeats, I will mention that it is a repeat from Dominion as well. So that okay. way we don't have to overlap names and all that stuff. All right. So leading off, you've already mentioned <laughs> this gentleman. It's kind of funny. But Rennie Harlan is our director on Exorcist the Beginning. And when people look through his catalog, some interesting films. So some people probably know to him notably for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. That's where Freddy gets a little too, like, antic-y and, you know, some of the humors. I mean, I like all that shit, don't get me wrong, but I know it throws some people off. That one might not be the greatest one, but it's coming off of Dream Warriors, it ended up being the highest grossing until Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, and that makes sense, considering. All right, so moving forward, he's also known for directing a Andrew Dice Clay film, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Die Hard 2, such films as Cliffhanger. Die Hard 2 isn't bad. No, it's not. It's a good film. Cliffhanger is a good film. Then he started making some bombs, uh, stuff like Cutthroat Island. If I'm not mistaken, at one time, I don't know if it still is, but it was like one of the biggest flops at the box office. It was the biggest flop at the box office, I think, until Legend of Pluto Nash mm. or Adventures of Pluto Nash. I think we've, I think we've talked about that. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Damn. Damn, Eddie Murphy. But he's also known for such films as Long Kiss Goodnight. Such films That's as, a good movie, right? Yeah, Gina Davis. Yeah. yeah. Blast from the Past, Deep Blue Sea, the film Mindhunters, the film The Covenant. <laughs> I know we've mentioned well, that before. I like Blast from the Past a lot. He was only a producer on that, thankfully. Uh, right arm. Right arm. <laughs> see, more recently, such things as The Legend of Hercules from 2014, Legend of the Ancient Sword, and the films Body at Rest and The Misfits. Right. Uh, that Legend of Hercules was not the rock one because there was two Hercules movies that year. <laughs> Go figure. If that's not confusing <laughs> enough, right? Jesus. All right, we've got a couple of different gentlemen as writers, and the story was credited to two different guys. One of them is a gentleman named William Wisher. Some things that he's noted for are additional dialogue for the film The Terminator. He was also responsible for Terminator 2 Judgment Day story Judge Dredd, the screenplay, and the 13th Warrior, which is pretty awesome. Because we mentioned earlier with all the stuff that went on with the screenplay, he also gets credited with Dominion as well. Along with his partner, it was Caleb Carr. He helped also with the story for Dominion, the television show The Alienist from 2018 through 2020. And we have another gentleman named Alexi Hawley who came in, I believe, did some of the rewrites, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. And this person, as far as her writing credits, is mostly television. So such things as Body of Proof back in 2013, The Following from 2014 through 15, the show Castle from 2016 and 15, and more recently the show The Rookie from 2018 through 2020. All right, very famous, well-known cinematographer, 
kind of mind-blowing when you look at some of his bodies of work. But this gentleman is Vittorio Storaro, and he's an Italian cinematographer. If you've ever seen such things as 1970s The Conformist, the film Apocalypse Now, and The Last Emperor, then you've seen his bodies of work. Uh, he's also known for such things as the film Reds. And, uh, man, uh, if, you look at, if you look at <laughs> the uh, Wikipedia page... I'm a little disappointed someone hasn't added this film. So I'll go through a few of them, then I'll go back to that film. But he's known for The Last Tango in Paris, the film One from the Heart, Ishtar, the film you mentioned, uh, Dick Tracy, the film Bullworth, which is kind of funny, and more recently, the film A Rainy Day in New York. But the film that I'm talking about, he also did another 1970 film. He did three of them in 1970. One was with uh, Bernardo Bartolucci, which is The Conformist. The other one is The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, was oh, a Dario shit. Argento film. Yeah. Wow. So okay. he was a cinematographer on that. I was like, that is awesome. He also, he was the cinematographer when Sci-Fi did that Frank Herbert's Dune oh, miniseries. No now, if I'm not mistaken, he's also our cinematographer in Dominion as well. All right. We have a couple of different editors on this one. We have Mark Goldblatt, so actually a gentleman we've talked about before. The reason being is because he was the editor on our 77th episode when we reviewed Nightbreed. Pretty oh. dope, yeah. So some other films of note, I'll just name a few of them. He helped with Joe Dante's film Piranha. He was the editor for Humanoids from the Deep, the film The Howling, Halloween Part 2, pretty cool. The Terminator, the film Commando, Rambo First Blood Part 2, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Robocop, <laughs> The Punisher, 1989, Predator 2, Terminator 2. Damn, some awesome films, man. Last Boy Scout, Universal Soldier. Oh, shit. Yeah, Tombstone. So if I keep going, I mean, we'll be here all day, but we've mentioned it before because of those episodes. One other film of note, comedy, Detroit Rock City. Go watch it. Oh, damn. So good. <laughs> and the other gentleman on this was Todd E. Miller, who we've done three episodes where we mentioned him because of episodes 75 and 76. When we reviewed the Purge films, he oh. was the editor on Anarchy and Election Year, and also on our 97th episode when we reviewed Joyride. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. The music was composed by Trevor Rabin. That was that long ago now? It doesn't feel like it, but it sure is. All right. This gentleman, Trevor Rabin, he's the composer for the film. He's got a laundry list of films in terms of some of the big hitters. He also is known for playing with a lot, some pretty cool prog rock bands. I think probably more notably the band Yes, if you're familiar with them. But some films that he has composed music for include the film Con Air, the film Armageddon, Enemy of the State, Deep Blue Sea, Gone in 60 Seconds, Remember the Titans. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Jet Li is the one, which is a video documentary, Bad Boys Part 2. Bad boys, bad boys. Yeah, Snakes on a Plane, hmm. the film Hot Rod, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, which is pretty cool. I Am Number Four, the television show Zero Hour from 2013, 12 Monkeys, a television show from 2015 through 16, and it looks like The Misfits is in post-production. Well, okay. Yeah. All right, special effects teams, we do have several on here. Let me go ahead and mention them real briefly. We've got Two Hours in the Dark, Radish, Element Studios, Pixel Magic, Meteor Studios, Digital Dimension Entertainment Group, the Kleiser Walchak Digital Effects, and Martian Labs. Now, these all were visual effects. It's pretty obvious in these films. 
All right. Produced by James G. Robinson Production Companies were Morgan Creek Entertainment, Dominion Productions, and Post Amazers. The distributors were Warner Brothers for the 2004 United States theatrical release and Morgan Creek International for all non-U.S. theatrical releases back in 2004 through 2005. It had a release date here in the States, August 20th, 2004. An estimated budget of about $80 million. Is nuts. I think that's a combination of both the films. Oh, okay. thirty million initially for Dominion, and then fifty million for this for the beginning. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It grossed forty-two million dollars here in the states and seventy-eight million dollars worldwide. And the tagline for the beginning is "God is not here." Yeah. Okay. I could have guessed that. All right. <laughs> I want to get into the crew for Dominion now. So I've mentioned several names. New name I want to bring up is uh, Paul Schrader. Right, because he is the director on this, which is, man, when you mention that, like, how confusing is all that stuff, dude? Right. Yeah. So Paul Schrader, when you look at some of his filmography, he helped actually write or co-write screenplays for four Martin Scorsese films: Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ, and Bringing Out the Dead. What the fuck? Already? I've only seen three out of the four. I haven't seen The Last Temptation of the Christ. I'm familiar with it, just haven't seen it. But uh, some other films include the remake of the horror classic Cat People, the film American Gigolo, such things as Mishima, Life in Four Chapters, the Patty Hearst True Life biopic, the cult film Light Sleeper, the film Autofocus, which is really interesting, man. That movie is pretty wild. Yeah, it's about the guys from Hogan's Hero, the television show. Like, they were into some kinky-ass shit, and they, oh, they shit. documented it. What? Like, filmed all their sexcapades. Oh, fuck. That's crazy. Like, the lead in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, Greg Kinnear plays the lead that. in that. Yeah, it's fucking wild, man. Yeah, when I heard about that, I was and like, I never hear about that. Yeah. Why does nobody talk about Hogan's Heroes fucking all the time? Better late than never, right? Here you go. But yeah, some really big hitters, man. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of interesting that he got pitched this. But, you know, he went along with it. All right, we already mentioned the writers were William Wisher and Caleb Carr. Cinematographer is Vittorio Storaro. We have a new editor, and this is Tim Solano on this film. Now, Tim's got some interesting credits, of course, to his name as well. So Tim would have been the guy that they pulled in to edit this that refused to do it I believe so, without, without his input. Mm-hmm. All right, so some of his other films include such things as Durango Kids, The Virgin of Juarez, such things as The Canyons. The Deserted, uh, nothing really major, like The Inheritance, Falsely Cue. So a couple of interesting films. I think more notably stuff that he did in the editorial department for such things as like Mrs. Doubtfire. So oh, okay. yeah, some pretty cool, interesting projects there. All right, music once again was by Trevor Rabin. We also have Dog Fashion Disco, which is a band, uh, did some pretty cool music. I fucking, I dig me some Dog Fashion Disco. The last time I was in getting a tattoo, the artist threw on a dog fashion disco playlist, and I fucking really dug it, and I've listened to him ever since. And so when I found out that they were involved with this, I was like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. All right, now, the biggest name, one of the biggest ones we'll probably ever talk about, outside of probably horror, to be honest and frank, is a gentleman I know I've mentioned before, but it's Angelo Badalamenti. And he's known, I think more notably, probably know his work because of the theme music for Twin Peaks. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And he's also worked with David Lynch because of Wild at Heart, Fire Walk With Me, which is the Twin Peaks movie, the film Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive. He also did Autofocus which with uh, Paul Schrader, yeah. which is really neat. Yeah. He did uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, go figure, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. 
And I mean, this guy, is, he's a celebrated performer. He's known for his ballads, which is interesting. I mean, there's certain scenes in this film, which I definitely could tell it was his work. So it was neat to see him on this. All right, special effects teams. We have Eden Effects for the visual effects and KNB Effects Group for the special makeup effects. Ooh. Yeah, some big names. This was produced once again by James G. Robinson Production Companies, once again from Morgan Creek. Distributors were Warner Brothers for the 2005 United States theatrical release. I heard it was only like five theaters. Damn. Yeah. And Morgan Creek International once again helped with all non-United States theatrical releases in 2005. Had multiple release dates. I can only imagine that they put it in those very few theaters just because there was something in the contract where they had to do some sort of theatrical release. Because that few of theaters, like (laughs) they were just going for the video market anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because I think after that, I went straight to DVD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So... The release dates I have for this, in Belgium, March 18th, 2005, this was introduced at the Brussels International Fantastic Film Festival. It was limited, like I mentioned, here in the States, May 20th, 2005, and in the UK on August 1st, 2005. This one had the estimated budget of $30 million, and when you look at its gross, 251000 Right. Oof. But it does have a tagline, Before the Legend You Know is the story of how evil began. Kind of a dumb tagline, but... It's pretty generic, but it's it's not bad. I mean, it fits. It fits. All right, so going into the cast, this is where, once again, you get a lot of familiar faces between the two films, more notably our lead actor, Stellan Skarsgård, who plays the lead role of Father Linkster Marin. Stellar Skateboard? Yeah, I know, Stellar Skateboard. Uh, We've talked about his son several times now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is cool, but... Yeah, this is Daddy Skarsgård. Yeah, exactly. This is the Daddy so, of course, he is a native Swedish actor, so a lot of his early roles include a lot of Swedish films, but then he started getting some really interesting films, such things as, like, The Hunt for Red October. He wanted to do such things as, let's see here, Insomnia, which is actually a pretty decent film. Goodwill Hunting is probably one of his more notable films. Another Rennie Harlan flick, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I know, right? He was in the film Ronin. Pretty interesting. Dancer in the Dark, Alonzo von Trier film, The Glass House, such things as City of Ghosts, the film Dogville, another Lars von Trier film, King Arthur. He was also in Beowulf and Grendel, if you've ever seen that. He was in a couple of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, The Dead Man's Chest and At World's End as Bootstrap Bill Turner. He was in the film Angels and Demons. Let's see here. Melancholia, another von Trier film. He's Thor. in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. He's, yeah. Eric Selvig. It's pretty interesting. Nymphomaniac, another Von Trier film. Uh, Avengers Age of Voltron. And let's see here, more recently, such things as the upcoming Dune film, which is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, he's going to be fucking Baron Harkonnen, son. That's going to be dope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. So cool to see him on here. And like I said, he's in both versions, the beginning and Dominion. I know he did one of the Moomins movies. I even know what the Moomins are. That's cool. (laughs) All right, we have actress Isabella Skorupko. She plays the role of Sarah Novak in the beginning. So she's the blonde who's the doctor of the village. She's a Polish actress, and she's known for such things as Golden Eye. She was in the film Vertical Limit. You might have seen her in Reign of Fire. She was in season four, episode 15 of the television series Alias. She was also in Cougar Club and more recently Sleepwalker. And in the prequel to The Exorcist and Dominion, it is played by 
Clara Beller. So when we look at and renamed, but is pretty much the same character. Pretty much, dude. Uh, Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to say that there's a major difference. But she was in such things as the first nine and a half weeks, AI, artificial intelligence, pretty good film, American Dreams. And she's a writer and director for such things as Watermelon Man, which is a short film and being and becoming a documentary film. All right, we have a couple different guys that play Father Francis. So in the beginning, we have James Darcy plays Father Francis. And when you look at some of his films, some interesting things, nonetheless. More Marvel because he's like a live Jarvis. Yeah, that's pretty wild. He doesn't do the voice for Jarvis, but he is Jarvis. So there's that. (laughs) Let's see here. He was in the TV film Sherlock Case of Evil as Sherlock Holmes. Pretty interesting. He was in Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Uh, That's a really good movie. A couple of the Agatha Christie, I guess, like Perot and Marvel Mm. television show was pretty interesting. Uh, He was in Rise, Bloodhunter, such things as Into the Storm, the film Hitchcock as Anthony Perkins in that film, which is pretty interesting. Oh, man, I've seen this film. It's It's a fucking turd, dude. It's called Jupiter Ascending. Oh, shit. He's yeah. in that. Yeah. Not a great film, but... I have yet to see it, but I have to admit that I have listened to the uh, How Did This Get Made episode on Jupiter dude. Ascending like 50 times. It's wild. It has a pretty good cast. It's just not a good a film. Shit, right? It's not a good film. <laughs> but he redeemed himself in such things as Dunkirk, Das Boot. You mentioned Avengers Endgame, The Rook, and uh, looks like... Made in Italy, which he was a director of and is in post-production, so good on him. And opposite of that, (laughs) in The Dominion, is played by Gabriel Mann, who plays, of course, the role of Father Francis. So Gabriel Mann, he's known for playing Nolan Ross on the ABC drama series Revenge. You might have also seen him in The Life of David Gale, The Born Identity, and The Born Supremacy. He was also in Josie and the Pussycats, the film Buffalo Soldiers. Actually, pretty good film, dude. Yeah, I guess more recently, such things as like Psych 9 and Cesar Chavez. He was also in Carnival, another television show I brought up a couple of different times. Oh, I'm not fucking caught up on Batwoman, but he plays Hush, and that's fucking awesome because I love Hush. So now I'm going to get caught up just so I can see Motherfucker as Hush. That's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, I'm just looking here. Wolverine and the X-Men, he voiced Bruce Banner, which is pretty neat. Uh, the Avengers, Earth, Mightiest Heroes, once again, is Bruce Banner. Uh, he was in six episodes of Ray Donovan, back in 2016 and uh i think more recently stuff like the blacklist and what if so oh fuck i really want to see him as hush anyway (laughs) no i think that's pretty cool man so in the beginning going back to that one we have remy sweeney who plays the role of joseph he's one of the little boys in the film right one of the village boys this is his only really notable role i think the other role he had was in like one episode of the show doctors which I think we mentioned last week or the week before. Yeah. Which is, eh. Yeah, not okay. a big deal. All right, we have Julian Wadham. He does play the role of Major Granville. Now, the nice thing about this is he's in both films, so keep that in mind. Now, he is the gentleman who's kind of like the charge of the British Army that's oh. in the village. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, if, I think he's the one, too, that has the butterfly hobby. Gotcha, yep, yep. Okay, so some of his film credits include such things as The English Patient, he was in such things as Goya's Ghosts. You might have seen him in the film War Horse. Such things as The Riot Club, the film Churchill, and more recently The Happy Prince and The Song of Names. A few different television shows, more notably Downton Abbey, if you've ever seen that. Pretty interesting. And 
Agatha Christie's Poirot from 1991. We have actor Andrew French, who plays the role of Chuma, who is like the local translator, villager. Uh, he's in both films, so we don't have to mention him too many times, but he's most notably known for doing a lot of television shows in England. So nothing really major things of note, just like a little bit parts here and there. Right. All right, we have Ralph Brown, who plays the role of Sergeant Major, which is like the right-hand man to Major Granville in this film. Now, if you're looking through a little bit of Ralph Brown's filmography, some interesting things. He was in the film With Nail and I, which I know is a, a very reputable film in the English early 80s films. He was also in such things as Alien Part 3. You might have seen him in Wayne's World Part 2 as Del Preston. He's the fucking roadie. Yeah. How awesome is that, man? He was in The Devil's Advocate. He was also in such things as Ivanhoe. You might have seen him in such things as Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace as Rick Oley. He was in the film Mean Machine. And let's see here. More recently, such things as... Gemini Man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He was in The Blacklist television show. He was also in Elementary for two episodes. The final score in Death in Paradise. Pretty interesting. All right. We have Ben Cross, who plays the role of Sommelier. Now, he's in both movies. He is the antiques or antiquities dealer. Some films that he's known for, he was in the film Chariots of Fire. You might have seen him in such things as First Night. He was also in the film The Order. He was in the film Behind Enemy Lines, Part 2, Axes of Evil. I actually saw the first one. I really liked that one. Never did see the second one. Uh, he was also in Star Trek as Serac back in 2009. And more recently, he was in Jack the Giant Killer, A Common Man, and The Hurricane Heist. And he's been in quite a few different television shows. Fucking Hurricane Heist. Yeah, The Twilight about Zone. about another fucking piece of shit movie? Ah, oof. Yeah. They all can't be winners, man. But uh, he was in Twilight Zone back in 86 for one episode. He was in Dark Shadows for 12 episodes in 91. Hmm. You might have seen him in Tales from the Crypt back in 92 for one episode. Let's see, he was in Hannibal, Rome's Worst Nightmare, as Quintus Fabius Maximus Veracusis. Uh, looks like he voices Dr. Mindstrong in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back in 2012. And more recently, he was in 12 Monkeys as Nicodemus for two episodes back in 2018. All right, we have David Bradley plays the role of Father Gianetti. He's like the ward asylum doctor. I think people should know him because he's a pretty recognizable guy. He's Argus Filch in Harry Potter. Dude, it's pretty he's awesome, right? He's Walder Frey in Game of Thrones. And oh, God. when the BBC did a made-for-TV movie about the first Doctor, he played William Hartnell. He looks almost exactly like him. It was fucking crazy. That's pretty awesome, man. I know I've mentioned this show, too, The Strain. He played Abraham Satrakian in that for the FX horror series, which is produced by GDT. Pretty cool. Now, I think some people probably know him because if you've ever seen such things as Hot Fuzz or The World's End, You've seen him that, and he was also in Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, looks like in 2012, he played Solomon in the Doctor Who episode, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yep. Pretty neat, right? Yeah, so pretty reputable English actor. All right, moving forward, we have Alan Ford, another gentleman I know we've mentioned before, but he plays the role of Jeffries. He's like the main excavator, chief excavator in the beginning. Now, the film that I know we've mentioned oh. him in is because he was in An American Werewolf in London. Yeah, well, and he's famously Bricktop. Oh, dude, yeah. In, was that Lockstock or was that... Lockstock, yeah. yeah. That's such a good film, and he's man. He's in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and in Snatch. 
two of the Dude. best Guy Ritchie flicks. So yeah, Cockneys versus Zombies. He was in the oh, film. Fuck. Yeah, have dude. we covered that one? No, we haven't. We should at some point. <laughs> a strippers versus werewolves How as well. Have we not covered that one. That's ah, a fucking great movie. <laughs> it really is. And yeah, once again, there's a lot of British television shows as well. So yeah, another really cool British actor that we get to see in this once again. All right, a few more people, and then I'll kind of round it out. We have Anthony Camerling, who plays the role of Kessel. Now, he is in both films. He plays the SS soldier, you know, the bad guy. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he is a Dutch actor, and he most notably did a lot of television shows in his native country. And if I'm not mistaken, I know more recently he passed away. And uh, if you're curious, I guess you can go look it up. It's probably not my place to say, Mm. you know. All right, so we have Eddie O.C. plays the role of Imikwe. He's in both films. He is the father of the two young boys in both films. We also have uh, Ishrael Adaruma. He plays the role of Jomo. He's like one of the local warriors in both the films. He's the lookout. Yeah, he is. And we have Patrick O'Kane. He plays the role of Beshian, who is he's like the lead archaeologist who winds up going a little yeah. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, that pretty much rounds up the cast and crew. The only other person I have of note I do need to mention is Billy Crawford. He plays the role of Chichi in Dominion. Oh, yeah, Chichi. Yeah, Chichi. So some things that he's known for, he's actually got some some singles. So he, it looks like he does some, some music, such things as like tracking, When You're Thinking About Me, a remake of a one-voice hit, and you didn't expect that. All right, so some of his filmography now... It looks like he is a Filipino-born actor. Looks like he, most of his career still might be over there. That's too. what I was, I was like. Just looking at these titles, man, these are all like Filipino Tagalog. So I'm not even going to try to pronounce a lot of this stuff. Just know that he's doing a lot of stuff overseas. So he's rounds, doing music and TV. Good on him. Yeah, it's like that's pretty awesome, he's got man. His career is still going. Seems like he's not doing bad for himself. So no, good on him. Yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You mentioned our setups for both films, and we should give you some warnings for both films. God, how to give warnings for both? I mean, it's a possession film, The Exorcist. It's a possession film, it's Exorcist. So if you don't like demons and ghosts, oh, I won't say ghosts, but demons and stuff like that, possessions. Satanism. You know, like it. Yeah, all that stuff, all the sacrilegious shit. Sacrilegious type shit. Yeah, blasphemy, all that stuff. It doesn't get too bad. No, there's far worse, but, you know. It's there. Yeah, hint at it, yeah. So the Exorcist, the beginning, is way more violent and bloody and gory than I remembered. Likewise, to be honest. Not that that isn't there. There's a little bit of all of that as well in Dominion, but I was kind of surprised with the extent that it went to in Exorcist, the beginning. I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> Including, like, violence towards kids and shit. Yeah, so. you're going to be averse to that. No, I mean, granted, Dominion has that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both have it, but... I do think it might be a little bit more hardcore in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, yeah, I mean. Although, we'll get to it because it's also something complete. Oh, anyway. I think I know you're going with that. Yeah, so your basic, you know, language, not real big time nudity. I mean, there's some side boob stuff, but. Oh, yeah, a little bit of side boob. Yeah, nothing major. Some blood, gore, that kind of stuff. And Not a lot. Not a lot, but you get it's moments. It, yeah, here and there. That's Outside about all they of get. that, yeah, yeah that's about exorcist, it. So yeah. that's what you kind of know what you're going to get in already. But no vomit, surprisingly. No spider walk, kind of in beginning. Uh, arguably, yeah, yeah, it's weird. We'll talk about. We'll, it. we'll get there. 
Let's do it. How does that make you squeal? All right, so Exorcist the Beginning versus Dominion. I'm going to say right up front, I don't care if we accidentally skip shit from either of these movies because I don't care enough about either one of them. Right, I understand that. That being said, let's get it out of the way up top and we can talk about some other shit that we can maybe get out of the way up top too. But overall, which did you prefer? I don't think we need to save that for the end. You know, I think you might be surprised by this answer because I think I enjoy the beginning a little bit more. Even though I like the Dominion story, I think it's stronger. I, I, I still enjoy the beginning a little bit more. I think Dominion's better. I think the beginning's the easier rewatch. I think that's probably why I like it more. Yeah. It's fucking dumb, though. It, it really is. It's it's really fucking dumb. It is the basic. worst. It's the worst movie of the two. Without a doubt. And I know before we even went into reviewing this, this is one, both films, I should say, not one, but both films we've talked about several times before because of the differences and because of the strange story involved with the changing of the guards and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but still using certain footage in the sets same people and, and sets. People. Yeah, it's wild, man. And it's all from the same studio and whatnot. You know, it's fucking wild. It's weirdly like 60 to 70% the same film, just way not. Now, there's definitely some stark differences, but overall, they're similar. I mean, you know, of course, we'll get into where they skew, but, you know, for the most part, they're pretty fucking similar. So I think we're both on the same page. Dominion is better. Yeah, I think it's the story is more interesting. It's just plods. It just, yeah. First, both of these they movies really are fucking longer than they need they to be. They do by not need two hours. Minutes. Jesus. Yeah. Once you get into like the hour and a half mark, you're like, man, I can't wait for this movie to be over. <laughs> they were fucking hard to get through, dude. They both were, of them were hard to get through. It was a struggle, man. Which kind of made it its own weird challenge. <laughs> I just had to try to keep finding ways to get through this shit. And you're not kidding, dude. I mean, here we are. We did it. Yeah, we're on the other side of it now. We don't have to do this shit to ourselves again. Um, Even with Dominion being the better movie, I also think Stellan Skarsgård gives a better performance in the beginning. I think I tend to agree with you there, too. Yeah. I think he gets to show a lot wider range of things, and he's a really good actor. Like, he does way better than that movie fucking deserves. Oh, hands down. But I do like the Dominion's father francis more was that gabriel man right it was gabriel man i did like his character a lot more he was more involved he was a more central character more so than james darcy's uh father francis mm-hmm. he was more of a background character like the chick in the beginning more though she's easy on the eyes but also just more involved in general i don't know she I was fucking i kind of hate the fucking ending i don't give a shit about oh. that part of but when it's her yeah i like no that she's more good than the she's other good <laughs> It's such a do thing to say this, but, you know, it begs the question, the, the blondes versus brunettes and all that stuff, because it's like, I mean, they're both attractive women, but you're right. I think because of her involvement in the beginning, she's probably a more interesting character in that whole development of the, the story, because in Dominion... Even though the story's fucking dumb. Yeah, it, it really is. A lot of that shit's so far stretched. I'm not going to stop saying that, because it's fucking dumb. It really is. Uh, but in Dominion, she's not as central you know she, yeah. i don't think she like i think that's where the father francis from the beginning and 
and Dominion Defer. central to the point where I almost wish in Dominion they wouldn't have had that character. No, no, no. And but, it would have only been Father Francis doing most of those duties. Yeah, I could see that, dude. It wouldn't deviate anything from the storyline, you know? It makes me wonder, too, if they just threw that in there just to give him Father Mirren, like, another little temptation, mm-hmm. you know, and a little bit of a female counterpart, you know, with similar story as his, you know, their incidences or whatnot. So, you know, I just felt like that was maybe like a Hollywood kind of thing where they threw that in there. Who else is a good one? I was going to say Major Granville in Dominion's a lot more involved in that film, more so than he is in the beginning. Oh, right. Yeah, like he's barking orders. They make it known that the British Army is a lot more imposing in that film, I feel like. Even though it's weird because in Dominion, they don't have the same outcome in terms of how the beginning plays out with the British Army and the local tribe. You know, that's a whole different outcome. (laughs) Their story arcs. So I think I like Dominion's telling, but I understand why the beginning did what they did because of how they set the film up in the beginning. Okay, so not going to lie, there's a couple characters that outright say things like this, but... Granville in Exorcist the Beginning kind of seems like he's about ready to start shit anyway just because they're black. Oh, yeah, he's ready to pop off. Yeah. Granville in Dominion at least wants to, like, show respect at first. Yeah, I agree. He flips on a fucking dime, but... There is a contrast between his character and both films. But he's not outright racist from the beginning. No. (laughs) Not that he was outright racist in the beginning. But But you know it was there. It was a lot more prominent. It wasn't that much different, but just the subtle differences that were there did not handle the tribe's people being involved as well as Dominion did, just in across the board. I think that's a good point, dude. Solid point. In the beginning, everyone was kind of just ready to pop off because they were black. Yeah, yeah. In Dominion, they were more worried about the fact that they were fucking pagans. Yeah, there was, there was a, a bit of blackness uh, there. Right, but I but think they were it, at least it leaned more into that. To, they were at least trying to there cloak a, it in some. Right, there was more of a separation between Christians and pagans in Which that story. Which makes more sense for an exorcist prequel. No doubt Part about it. Part of the it. way that Dominion is better. Yeah, I agree. Like, there are some subtle differences that do make them Feel either. Different. Yeah, that do make them stand out from one another. What I do enjoy between the beginning and Dominion is the opening sequences. Okay. Right? In the beginning, you get the opening of that lone priest walking through the battlefield, and the more and more that you see, and the more and it pulls out, you're like, Jesus. the first taste of the bad CG that is just rampant throughout Domin- throughout the beginning. <laughs> they did not use its full potential. <laughs> it was, some of it's like real bad, like real bad shit we could have done. <laughs> But I do enjoy how it opens, right? Because it gives you, in a way, it foreshadows events, you know? It gives it some backbone and lets you know that something bad happened. And then it cuts away and then, you know, you fast forward. And so the differences between those two openings, because in Dominion, you get straight what happened in that village in Holland because Father Mirren's a parish priest. Right. Whereas it takes a little while to build that up. Because that matters more in Dominion. It does. Because it gets intentionally mirrored later on and then intentionally mirrored again. And exactly. Like it's, it's actually a big character moment. It keeps, yeah, it keeps 
recurring. In Exorcist, the beginning, it only exists to show that Father Marin is a traumatized person. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like a recurring thing. It's no. just like this shitty thing happened to him and he's felt broken ever since. Exactly. That was the pivotal moment that made him take a sabbatical and put him on this you know, different quests. He's, now he's an archaeologist. He studies history. He's on these digs, whatnot. You know, but in the beginning, he's actually in Cairo, Egypt in like 1949, right? Mm. And that's when Sommelier approaches him and they talk about the Pazuzu statue that he wants them to Pazuzu. get that. He wants that relic, right? And he offers him that contract or whatever. And so that's how he's there. But in Dominion, he's already there. And it's he's 1947. The one find it all. Yeah. So there's already a difference there. And the thing, too, that I like in Dominion is that it's not buried. The church oh. beginning it's just the dome that's exposed everything mm-hmm. else is underground but when you look at the stories it makes sense why they did it that way in both of those different stories but the reason i like it in dominion more is because it feels like that time period like a byzantinian or byzantinian church what maybe feel what the mosaics you know and the relief on the walls and stuff I, I just love to, once you get down into the church, there's a huge difference because it's underground in the fucking, the beginning, mm-hmm. like Schrader wasn't afraid to light it up and still try to make it scary for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Like in the beginning, everything's in the dark and it's just set up for every fucking jump scare that they want to do. That's, I think it, it's sole purpose, right? It's, it's shrouded in darkness, right? So it's already ominous. And what they discovered, there's two different discoveries. Is in the beginning, because it's dark, they see the crosses have, you know, the church has been desecrated and all that shit. I've went off on this before, but I kind of fucking hate the inverted cross fucking. We've talked about this, yeah. We've talked about this, especially if you're talking about a church that old. They really, really would have known that the inverted cross is a right. Christian symbol. That's the Petrine cross because St. Peter didn't want to be crucified the same manner as Christ. Right, exactly. So now the one have your demons fucking speak in Latin and Aramaic and shit, then they're going to be clued in on this too. Yeah, it's like, come on, it's not like they skipped that history lesson. They were there. Come on. <laughs> I find it kind of... Now, yeah. although I find it lazy, the weird, ridiculous amount that they keep reinforcing it through the beginning made me at least chuckle a little bit. I mean, at least they were consistently inconsistent. Where there's like a thousand yeah. of them. And then... They're now they're here in the church. They're in the church when uh, Father Francis is praying and then he leaves the room and it returns back upside down. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I actually really love that little detail. Once they've established it, they at least keep with it. That's saying they're consistent. I, I hated the fucking push in on it. Like, leave that shit subtle, son. I just, know, man. Come on, man. But if it, you just would have caught the reflection and if you were paying attention, you would have noticed it flip back over. That's fucking dope. Yeah, for sure. When you push in Zoom, <laughs> be like, by the way, look I, what I happened. Know, man. It's like, you don't need to do that. We already know. <laughs> come on, dude. Fuck, come on. <laughs> But that's the thing, like, the difference in the church in the Dominion, it's not a setup, the Dominion, in Dominion, is it's not a setup for jump scares. The scary thing is that they built an entire church where all the symbology is indicating that they're trying to keep something underneath it. Yeah, exactly. Everything Everything is is pointing pointing towards it being like a prison. Right. And that's the thing they make note of, whereas it is different having the underground... In the beginning, it has a different significance, even though they share similar motifs in the fact that 
It's literally the same church. Yeah, it's same church. You know, <laughs> it's, it's literal same set. Buried on the same ground. I even think there's a little deviation in the storytelling. I think in Dominion, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think they make it more of a point that this was like the landing spot of Lucifer. That's the beginning. Okay, so they, okay. I was like, I couldn't remember which one, but one of them does make that point. So in the beginning, yeah, they make that point. Uh, that's what it is. Because and then Dominion, Dominion, they actually show the you in the mosaics. The only one that it's that dumb. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a good point. Which I, I like, I kind of like that. It makes it make more sense. Like, you know, the reason why some of the stuff that happens later on gets covered up and, you know, all these events that tie into what's happening now. But when you're comparing the two and contrasting them. Well, the, the dumb man, thing with the beginning is the story that goes into all of it is not just that this is where Lucifer supposedly fell, but like all of these nations of the, of the fucking area got together just to fucking build this church and push this demon down. And there's been no other records of it. And we don't know what the fuck this church is until now. (laughs) Whereas in dominion, it was more like, nah, there was a fucking demon around. They had to do something about it. It wasn't necessarily. Yeah the worst demon of all time it's this one right here look it's this statue this is the demon they put it down here they thought it was bad enough that they needed to do this but it's not like all the fucking nations in the area got together and fucking (laughs) so yeah we gotta we gotta build this shit (laughs) yeah so there's that but that was the one thing i liked about dominion though is when you're inside the church you can see those mosaics and i really like that that was a really cool touch you can still see it in the beginning, you can see them oh, in the yeah. background, but now, you're not going to see them like do the Dominion. They push in on that same Satan one in both of them. Right, which I do like that. Now, here's, I think for me, where uh, they both do a horrible job at this. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to By the to way, admit, we man. keep saying Dominion is better. It's not a good movie. It's not a, Well, it's not a great movie. It's not it's a, a great movie. movie. You know, it's not bad. It's not great. <laughs> but... I think the the point that I'm about to make here is that they both drop the ball when it comes to the possessions, right? Okay. Like, Chi-Chi, you would understand why he would be the target, right? But what they do to him at the end is like, oh my they God. They turn him into a nightbreed. They do, man. They turn him into this weird androgynous, hairless, you know, perfect being. And I was like, man, this almost feels like I'm watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z, like a live-action Dragon Ball Z <laughs> with Frieza right now. <laughs> Right, and I understand why the beginning did what it did. I did kind of like how once he went all androgynous, they also started giving him like sexy poses. Dude, just he like put, laying all around. He the literally did cave. the lean, the lean pose. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? Levitating in like you know this almost a Hindu style yoga position. It's like, what are you guys doing? This is just ridiculous. <laughs> but in the beginning, <laughs> they try to make her. Who you know we'll talk about in a little while. Make her look more like Reagan from the original Exorcist, yeah. which isn't bad. The makeup and stuff, but the lines that they try to make her say, it's like this is ridiculous, man. And like the animation and the ending and the long corridor shot, what whatever the fuck, the fuck was, was that? That all right? What the fuck was so? Okay, oh, so that corridor that. didn't exist until he's exiting. So that corridor was made by the dark Satan power. I believe so. That she also used to teleport herself into that corridor, because otherwise she should have been coming from behind them. Mm -hmm. She teleported into a corridor that she artificially made half a mile long. It's ridiculous, man. That scene, if there's no other scene that will make me remember this film, the beginning, that is, 
is when I went and seen this in the theater, this is the only one out of the two I did go see in the theater. I, I, I'm pretty positive I saw it in the theater as well. Right. And I know because I've mentioned to you. I love The Exorcist. Likewise, growing up, I haven't watched enough of part two. I know it gets panned a lot, so I can't comment on that one. The third one I've seen a few times. I remember watching it as a kid, and it's not bad, right? It's more dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, the third one was the same. Um, Blatty came back. That's right. Yeah, so that was what separated it from the second one. But, yeah, when this came out, I was like, oh, let's see what they do. You know, this is interesting. It's a, a prequel. It's Father Mirren's story, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool, but... Once we got to this scene, you know, it's already the end. And I was already like, man, this is a fucking movie. And then that happened. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is so bogus right now. So ridiculous. And especially how it all, like how she fucking ends and clothes lines on religious energy. Oh, man. Yeah. She got like the God's forearm or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this old bullshit 80s wrestling move. <laughs> You know, it's like, man, what the fuck? So both of those, they really drop the ball. The only difference I like between the two endings is, you know, with Chi-Chi and stuff like that. Like, he's an assistant now to Sarah. So that yeah. Sarah lives in Dominion. She dies in the beginning. There's a little bit more of a romantic bent in the beginning, more so than in Dominion, even though there it is there. Yeah, there's a little but bit But not there, as but... much as the beginning, mm-hmm. right? For uh, I think for obvious reasons. Uh, the stories are similar. The differences between their story, Sarah, in Beginning and Dominion. In the beginning, she's, I think she was married to Beshin. That was her yeah, partner, so I think. That was one of the other dumb things. Okay, first off, if we're going to talk about the end of the movie, we have to jump to the Oh, I mean, the there's second, a lot missing. We have to jump yeah. to the second dumbest part of the beginning, which <laughs> is the hyena out of the well. Oh, that shit's so fucking dumb, dude. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I mean, even them showing up in the you know the surrounding areas, it's like oh, that looks bad. But Which, then, yeah, that's none of that scene makes shit. sense when you find out later that she's the one that's possessed. Yeah, what's up with that? She had no idea. None of that shit was going on. None. So Never. she couldn't have directed any of that shit. <laughs> it had to have been the kid. But then suddenly, at the end of the movie, oh no, the yeah. twist is it's her, not the boy. But it's not. There's no way it is. It's so... Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> it, it is a bullshit, like, <laughs> twist or whatever, misdirection. It's like... I I think I understand why they probably chose to do that with her character and stuff because of what she admits and, mm-hmm. you know, her trauma or whatever makes her more susceptible, perhaps. But in the beginning, she gives this story to Marin where, you know, she's like... She got captured, raped. They made her bleed where she can't bleed anymore. And you're like, oh, goddamn. And she mentions, like, her husband won't touch her mm-hmm. since she revealed that to him. And I was like, that's, you know, that's a dick move, of course, on his part. But Beshian, he was a lead archaeologist, and he's the one who went crazy. And when Mirren decides to go visit him... That was surprising. That was fucking gnarly, right? Because at first he goes to the guy's tent and he's finding all those drawings of the Pazuzu. Those were cool. That was well done. I like that. There's there's cool little bits in the beginning. No, there are some really good elements at play here. It's not a complete turd. That's really good. And then when he goes visits him, I guess in Nairobi at the actual hospital, when he enters that ward or whatever in the room, the guy's like got the swash sticker carved into him. And then he uses the demonic voice of the as a soldier. Mm-hmm. I hated how much they kept repeating that 
yeah. fucking God isn't God's here. not here. Yeah, God's not here today. I like the one time in Dominion was good. Oh, all right. Since we're kind of in this realm, right, with the the Holocaust story and all that shit, or at least in this case, Father Mirren in the village, right, in his mm-hmm. parish. The thing Holy that separates shit, Rennie Harlan. I was like, fucking hell! I forgot that. Dude, Rennie Harlan's that was hard. That was pretty hardcore. Nazis are just often kids. I was like, that was dark left and as right. Fuck. In Dominion. in Dominion, Schrader like pulls a psych out move on you. Yeah. And when he does open fire, it winds up hitting a girl, but it's an old. It's a teenage girl as opposed to like a, a young girl. Which is then more easily mirrored later on with the the situation with the British Army. Exactly. And fucking what's his face? But uh, oh, we kind of went past this already. But I wanted to bring it up because I just noticed it in my notes. The heat stroke in both of them is really fucking dumb. The quote unquote heat stroke. But I do oh. think it might be worse in the beginning. <laughs> when the guy's like season up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, and it's fucking really horribly done in both of them, though. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking bad. Let's see. I did write down some differences. I mean, I, the way I went through my, my note taking is like I watched the beginning. I mean, I watched both of them, but I rewatched the beginning and I was like, all right. I want to pick out certain. I didn't rewatch it entirely. I was like, I want to pick out certain things that I remember. I think these are the differences, and so I, I was like, okay, here they, here they go, here they go. And then I started comparing them, using other, you know, mm-hmm. like little cliff notes here, here. So the major differences that I got out of it. Oh, we talked about some of the time periods. Gabriel Mann. I do want to mention him. I do like his character. He's a lot more involved in Dominion, and the fact that he's kind of like a mirror image of what. The 1973 Exorcist, right? The OG Exorcist is with Father Damien and Father Mirren, where Father Mirren's kind of like doubting, whereas Father Damien... So it's role reversals, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's some differences, too, in the stories of the reason why these guys are here and like the revelations of what happens and stuff. But Father Francis James Darcy in the beginning, he his character is kind of like, eh, whatever. It, you know, even yeah. like the way he dies and shit, he, he's trying to perform the... Uh, exorcisms on the kid and he has the holy water and she comes out and then he gets fucked up and all that nonsense whereas you feel a little bit for father francis in the dominion at least i did because he's like he's trying to do noble things like he's opening up the school they show that in both the difference is is in dominion it goes really bad yeah (laughs) like what the fuck that was nuts and then he later on you know, he gets wounded and whatnot with the arrows, and it's like, that's Do they ever show gnarly. his eventual fate? Because he did survive the initial arrow attack, and then last we saw it, him it was made on me, the hospital bed. It made then... me wonder about that, yeah. And that's where I thought, I was like, did he survive? I can't remember. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 towards the end, you, you learn what happened to him. It doesn't really get spelled out, like, what yeah. exactly. I just think maybe he just died from his wounds or whatever. Just eventually, yeah. I mean, he even mentions to him, too, he wants his last rites and all that shit, so maybe mm-hmm. he had a feeling, like... I can't survive this, man. I'm mm-hmm. done. So there's that. So the difference in Father Mirren too in those two interactions is <laughs> how he decides that he wants to get involved with the exorcism. Is in the beginning he's more reluctant, even after the dude offs himself in front of him, the father or the priest there, like he's like, here's the book, the ritual for the exorcism, you're gonna need that, whatever. He doesn't even have his his outfit and all the garb or whatever. He just winds up taking the the uh, purple shawl. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. After he dies, and he's like, okay, now he's equipped. 
Whereas in Dominion, he goes back and he's got his shit already pre like wrapped and all that stuff. And he's ready now. He's ready for battle, you know? So there's the differences there and like how they actually go into the exorcism towards the end. So, you know. All right. So Bricktop getting killed versus asshole hmm. thieves getting killed. What did I like better? I like the reveal. I mean, they both were pretty gnarly. Yeah. Uh, the beginning was n- I said the beginning was like super gory. Yeah. Whereas in Dominion it felt more a little bit more like a Hannibal style killing. Well, there was I mean there was obvious intent behind it. For sure, they pointed and, out too. Yeah. Father Francis points it out just fucking the major John, with John the Baptist kind of like mm-hmm. the way that those guys were killed and all that shit. Dude just wasn't willing to listen. Oh, that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but that's the thing like Exorcist the beginning is fucking gnarly, but it doesn't mean anything. No. And especially because the lead into that was one of the other stupid fucking parts of the... The kid coming into the room... Okay, interrupting Creeper Bricktop was cool. Yeah. I was yeah, kind of what the interrupts. fuck about Creeper Bricktop, but... She had that weird dream within a dream, which was pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Like the kid holding his brother's head. Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. But the kid comes in, and he's like, he's coming for you. Yeah. And he yells at him, what? He goes, he's coming for you. <laughs> He doesn't clear his throat, but he repeats it just clear. That would have been fucking hilarious, right? I fucking said, he's coming for you. You clearly heard me. He's coming for you. What? You'll, you'll see. He's coming for you. <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh, yeah, this, he gets, this is a scary movie, right? Like Basically, it's kind of a little bit of a parody there. Yeah, he gets a good, right? Because he's trying to thieve some alcohol or whatever. Also, with the kid, like... Kid getting ripped apart by the hyenas was pretty fucking gnarly. It was, and it was but the really bad. Really bad. It could have been good, but the hyenas really killed it. I mean, here's, no here, pun. That scene looks a lot better when you're watching it at one and a half times speed. God, I bet. Probably can't like focus as much on it. Like, oh, this looks so bad. It looks a lot better. So at ridiculous. One and a half time speed. Yeah. So there's that, and there were a whole reason too. Is Father Marin gives the young kid Joseph of Spade. He's like, I think you're ready for this. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting over it. You know, the older brother's teasing him, whatever. And I guess the kid that's willed it. Well, hyena shit. Right. But that's the thing. It has to have been Sarah. Quote, unquote, that's what I say. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Oh, fucking hate the only you. Thing, the only thing that I could think of, right, is that the kid, he wasn't possessed, but he may, may have been touched. Mm. Not by an angel, <laughs> but by a demon. There's some illusions to that stuff, too. Like, it doesn't always possess. It, it Sometimes it, it drives people to go crazy. But I don't think that's what the kid's... I don't know. It's it's a weird psycho. It doesn't make much sense. But anyway, so, that's the whole reason why his brother died is the hyenas get him. It's all fucky, man. It's not something I would have liked by itself. But when watching them back to back, I liked that in Dominion, he took in Che Che when he was sleeping in that same well set. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm like, oh, so this is where we have the stupid well hyena and we first start thinking it's the kid that's possessed by satan yeah. and in the same movie you're taking in a kid possessed by pazuzu i guess yeah. pazuzu in both cases and but. if i'm not mistaken in, in the exorcist part two the heretic there's scenes where they show father Marin performing the exorcism on a local kid the kid has a different name in the heretic it's like kokomo something like that okay and so that's once again they're toying around with different things there's similarities, but even the year is different. I think it was supposed to be in 1948. And in both of these films, one's 47, one's 49. <laughs> they couldn't even decide on the year. So there's some slight differences there. You know, when they're trying to tie it back 
to the origin story. Mm -hmm. The crows in the beginning would have been a lot cooler if they would have done them with practical effects, but I liked all the ideas with them pecking apart the dead crows and them still flapping around and shit. Like that was yeah. that was the right kind of creepy for that scene. I think that was a good opening. But yeah, it's like eh. When you use that much CGI, man, it takes you out. Or at least it does for me. Both of them had the maggot-covered stillbirth. That was cool. They kept that in. I'm almost certain. Another scene I noticed they kept in, too, if I'm not mistaken, is there a scene where Granville and I think his little sidekick or whatever, they drive into the town. You can see, like, the kids running up to them. And, mm. you know, they're telling the kids, like, bugger off or whatever. It's like, I think they kept that. It's not a major scene whatsoever, but I was like, I think I noticed that. That was one of the things they kept in. But it was only, like, what, 10%? Of what? Right. Yeah, so it's fucking weird, man. <laughs> 90% they reshot. But it's still 60% the same. I know. So crazy. Same sets. But just in a weird ways. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, man, honestly, I wish they would have combined the two efforts, right? Edited them together, and you would have had a really good film. Maybe. Perhaps. I mean, the elements are there. Yeah. I think the right person directing the editing or the vision of the stories, you could have had a decent film, let's put it that way. Also, I've praised Stellan Skarsgård's performance, but I think he has one really bad moment in the beginning, but I feel like it probably wasn't his fault, and it's when the flies fly up in his face. I have a feeling he told them that they were flying up and exiting above him, so he was just like sort of shielding himself. I probably just completely fucked over my audio by putting my <laughs> arm in front of my face. I think he was just shielding himself like they were flying up past him, but then they animated it as them flying up and sort of buzzing around him yeah. for a second and then going up. And I think he was just given wrong direction. Like, I don't think that's his fault. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah I mean, especially when you, it's not there. It's not physically there. Yeah. You're having to act because they're giving you direction. Fuck flies. <laughs> yeah. Once again, CG as fuck. Another thing I didn't like about the beginning is the forced kind of romance they put on. Oh, yeah. You know, she's given like her... Sudden. Yeah, and he's like, you can see it a mile away. And it's like, it's another one of those stories. It's like, dude, you guys have only known each other for four minutes. <laughs> and you're ready to get down already. You know, it's like, ah. Uh, All because why you out. think it's hot, she's a Holocaust survivor. And she doesn't bleed. Jeez. I'm not about to say what I was going to say. I'll say it <laughs> off air. <laughs> but anyhow, just the forced romance. I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, I understand why they do it, but it's unnecessary, man. It, it doesn't make sense. All right, we brought up the beginning has quite a few jump scares. I do think a couple of them are just weird enough to be actually kind of cool. And one of them involves when she's looking in on the kid and the lights and the radio just turn off. That is pretty good. It'll startle you if you're not expecting it. I thought that was a good one, even though it's not telegraphed by anything. Like, no. Because it's so normal, but intercut into a time where normal <laughs> shouldn't be happening. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's some good moments like that. I'm trying to think of some things I do enjoy um, in the beginning precisely. It's, yeah, I don't know, man. Even the ending, too, it's like, yeah, it is it is what it is. I mean, it just repeats the refrain of, like, what happened, you know. I kind of do like the story of what they're trying to give. Like, the whole reason that the beginning of the film that we see in the beginning, right? The whole reason we saw that lone priest is they give a story. It's like, you know, they heard the story of, you know, this valley and the fallen angel or what, and all that stuff. And so 
these priests go out to seek it out and all that stuff, and they wind up getting taken over by the evil, and they start killing each other. And as a result, that's what we see. And there's a lone survivor who makes it all the way back to Rome and is ordered by Emperor Justinian to build a church over the mm-hmm. temple and all that stuff. So, And in the beginning, the way it ends is the British army and the villagers, they get into that battle, and there is no survivors as a result of it. And there's a lone survivor who happens to be a priest, except for this time he brings a little kid with him, you know, and is reburied again in the church because they come out of the sand. Right. Yeah, so... In and terms of how this is the Pazuzu head. Yeah. And that's like, okay, I understand that. And there is a line at the end. I, I kind of do enjoy. I mean, it makes sense is Father Miron, he returns to Rome and he meets the antiquity dealer, Sommelier. Right. And he's like, you know, couldn't find the relic. Right. And he's like, but you did find something, didn't you? That's what he tells him. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, and that's how he kind of walks off into the sunset or whatever. It's like, okay, whatever. He's got his faith restored and, the Pazuzu is still going to follow him because if you know anything about the original, that's the whole point. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Dominion, the difference is there is, like I said earlier, is fucking Che Che. Like, I mean, I, I thought, like him as a cripple and all that stuff. You know, his deformities, it makes him an interesting character. That perfect you can sympathize. Being part is the weakest part of that. Yeah. I liked everything else where they were like mirroring the like, lamb and well, all that stuff. The first two-thirds of the movie do a lot of, like, insinuating, like, it doesn't even have to be demonic forces. People just have this capability within them. Mm-hmm. It just, something sets them off or something happens yeah, or they exactly. just choose to do this. And Stalin Skarsgård, his crisis of faith comes from the fact that he made a choice yeah. and evil still happened. He literally says at one point, I chose good, evil happened. Right. And so that's what his crisis of faith is about, because he feels like the choice has been taken from him. I don't know, like, they bring it up, and then suddenly it's not just the internal darkness of man. You literally now have a perfect being. And we knew this was coming because it was Exorcist the beginning, but the movie was more interesting when that wasn't a part of it. Yeah. The thing I like about that story and how they try to give it somewhat of a resolve is when Father Mirren in Cheche's demonic possession, they interact. And Pazuzu, he gives him that hallucination of like, what would have happened had he stuck up for himself or whatever, or, you know, turned the tables. And it still ended up bad. Because <laughs> yes, he killed that German soldier, but the rest of those soldiers wound up killing him and the rest of the villagers <laughs> anyway. Although the Cheche part's the weakest part, like that's the strongest by far of the Cheche part and is definitely worthwhile yeah. In the story. I think you could have had Pazuzu do that to him without Che Che being involved. You know I think I mean? so as well. <laughs> All right. And here's the biggest issue I have. Not with just this film, but I think possession films in general. I think we talked about this with, what was it? Um, the Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Right. Is like, all right, with demons and stuff like that, right? If you have that much pull and that much power and you're supernatural and you're still getting your ass handed to you century after century... It's like I don't think I give up throwing that fucking towel, demon boy. It's like you know you might want to you might you yourself might want to take a sabbatical, right? You know, like come up with a different strategy because it ain't working. (laughs) To me, it's like I think as a kid I was more susceptible to believing that kind of stuff. Like you know, like oh, it's the unknown, it's demons, it's spooky shit. To me, that was like the worst thing that could happen to you is have something take you over and you have Mm -hmm. no control over yourself. You know, but now thinking about it as an adult, I'm like, yeah, it is a scary thought, 
but it's to me it's not one that I'm <laughs> I'm willing to believe in at this point. My belief is probably more of a mental illness kind of stuff, more so than like being possessed. I think it's you know you, you're more susceptible to believe in that kind of stuff, right? If you already have conditions, so to speak. So that's the biggest problem I have is that demons, in my opinion, should like be stomping asses out left and right. It's like and Father Marin and their wussy shit. The worst that they can do is like try to roast you, like have a roast battle with you. <laughs> That's what I feel like in every fucking possession movie. They try to roast your ass, <laughs> you know. Oh shit! So and true. and all you need is some holy water, your cross, you know, some Latin, some background of Latin, and you're good. You're you're pretty good. A little bit of faith. With the Che Che hallucination, I did also want to say with that though, real quick that. I do like that the writing was good enough with that hallucination mm -hmm. that it does both work the way that Che Che intended it as like taunting him and it works as Stellan Skarsgård realizing that he made the right choice Yeah, because he couldn't have had any better outcome than what he did. That's why I was saying that. That's why I kind of like that. There is a result there. It gave That's him an, an idea of like... But you understand why yeah. um, Che Che would have thought it would have been useful as an insult as well. Without a doubt, yeah. So I do like it that. it depends more on Skarsgård and how he interprets it. This is no slight against the actor, but they could have chose a better actor for the German soldier. Like, his German accent was dog shit. <laughs> it was. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just like, dude, no. Why? He looks the part. He does not sound the part at all. So I had a little bit of an issue there. Not a big deal. It did take me out of the film. I'm like, oh, that's bad. I thought it was weird, and I wonder how this intermixes with the scripts and the entire history of this movie, but I did feel like it was weird at the end of Dominion that they still felt it imperative to hit him with the flies and give him the same boils that Bricktop had. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I think he even I was close at yeah. one time. <laughs> I was like, that was kind of cool, like how Father Francis, he did recognize that the kid... Cheche or whatever, his wounds weren't healing as a result, you know, of divine intervention, so to speak. It was because yeah. of demonic possession or whatever. And he recognized it and he tried to baptize the kid. And, he, <laughs> and the exchange is like, I told you not to try that shit with me. <laughs> with possessed Cheche, I do think it makes more sense, even though the effect on it was kind of wonky, <laughs> to make Cheche do the Pazuzu face over having rachel do the reagan face i understand it completely it just didn't look good <laughs> it just didn't look good but it's it's the idea is I, there. yeah it, it makes total sense why they would do it the idea is there the result right. the yeah <laughs> also not the worst effect though no not the worst the execution not was great. not great just not great <laughs> that's what i'm saying the ending man these endings uh oh, they're not good <laughs> <laughs> they're not good. Well, but, neither of them. But they're not neither horrible. Neither truly man. feel like they lead into the Exorcist in a good way. No, and there's still a huge there's still, gap in years. There's almost like a quarter century. There should be the prequel to the prequel to the prequel that somebody eventually. There's makes still up some the shit Exorcist. happening up leading into the Exorcist, man. And I think that's an interesting tale to tell as well. Now, here's something I was thinking. Right, I know we'd like to do this sometime. Is if you could redo these films with different directors, actors, whatever. Not that we have to go through the whole shebang, but it made me think about that earlier. It's like, oh, you know, not that it needs one per se, but 
it would be interesting to see if it had a modern take on it, right? And I was like, huh. And not to sound cliche now, but I was like, the only person I could think that I, maybe I would trust this with, maybe Ari Aster, like give him this story. That'd be cool. Because I think he could make it dark and creepy enough and cultish enough or whatnot, like play into that. We already know he's done it with Hereditary, so... Mm -hmm. I was like, that would be kind of an interesting bent on it, take on it, perhaps. And he's good enough with the subtle details that yeah. really work into making... I mean, I think it's safe to say that with all the different satanic movies that we've watched, like, it's those weird, subtle details that you pick up, usually on a second watch, where, like... I, oh, shit. Like I said, if Rennie Harlan wouldn't have pushed Hand in into on it, the yeah. fact that that cross had turned back upside it down... It would have worked really well. That's perfect. That's right in the genre. There was something interesting I did hear. I watched a review on YouTube of this gentleman. He broke the film down, both of them pretty good, and he gave some excerpts from um, both directors. Just slight commentary from like their commentary on the DVDs, but Harlan said what he set out to make was a film... There was a lot of cuts in his film, and he said the reason he did that is because of the way that advertising and music videos and all this stuff... He's like, it's it's the modern way that people consume media, you know, visual media in this. So he said that's why he wanted to make his film, like, really quick cut pacey and shit, you know. And I was like, I kind of get it. And that's probably why he did something like that, you know, make it obvious, even mm. though you don't need it to be obvious. And it's like, in a way, it's like, you know, you understand from a commercial standpoint maybe why he did that. But as a fan of film and shit, it's like, man, <laughs> you don't need to hold my hand. Yeah. Like you were saying, just do something subtle. It's more effective. It's creepy. Yeah. And that's the fucking point. <laughs> I mean, these two movies against each other, Dominion versus mm -hmm. The Beginning, the idea that they built a church that is very obviously <laughs> a prison yeah. is creepier than going into a church and having a bunch of Petrine crosses. <laughs> I agree, man. Yeah, they should have played, I think, more into that whole... Like, this, this fucking church is, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like, oh, this we This is just, a, obviously a fucked up situation. One of them you can walk into, the other one you just drop into it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shit's popping loose, you know? Mm -hmm. But, Damon, there's some interesting stories and some backgrounds there. And, you know, like you said, Have the ideas are there. this entire time to say, once again, yeah. the beginning is the easier rewatch. I agree with that. And it's funny to say, at least from my perspective, and it's because... I do have a history with that film, right? And when I first seen it in the theater, mind you, this has been years ago, that I walked away from it. I was like, this is one of the worst films I think I've ever seen in the theater. <laughs> I wasn't even exaggerating back then. But now, after watching it <laughs> two more times, I was like, yeah, uh, it's not that bad. You know, it's not as bad as I remember it. Let's put it that way. And paying a little bit more attention to the storyline and like, the conversations and stuff, it's like, I understand, like you said, the ideas are there. It's just the execution's not that great, you know? Whatever, CG, eh, take me out of a little bit. But overall, it was, I did enjoy watching both of them. It wasn't a horrible experience. And I came away with, like... It just wasn't a great experience. No, 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 no. I, I would say I probably enjoyed this more than doing the Inside Martyrs remakes. Oh, yeah. Even though I did enjoy that, it was interesting. Just the it, crazy to see what they fucking did to those you know it's, i think that's why it's fun doing stuff like this and it has such a weird interesting story because you know like you were saying earlier schrader had it almost done 90 percent, and the studio didn't like it because it wasn't horror enough for them and it so wasn't, they fucking fire it wasn't jump scary enough yeah 
And he's like, no, this I want my film to be a psychological, more like thriller, and which is understandable because that's what it feels is, like. Yeah, is evil it's more cerebral. the condition of man? Yeah, it's it's more a philosophical discussion. Whereas, yeah, Rennie Harlan's is like not all over the place, but this jump scares, it's horror. Hanging out a well. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but you know, at least he, he plays this into it. This monkey's going to be going crazy, and then yeah, boom, hyena. Pretty obvious, right? <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, there's... I don't know, man. If there was an explosion, I would have thought it was Michael Bay. What I'm interested and maybe even curious about is... I know they did, like, The Exorcist, the television show, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm almost certain of it. I know they did The Exorcist show, if I'm not mistaken, or Exorcist or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as far as the franchise, this franchise goes, you know, it makes me wonder if anybody's willing to do anything. Because unfortunately, is that the original is never going to be topped. No. It doesn't matter how good of a film it is, it's not going to be top. But you don't need it to top it. We've no, exactly. We've seen with, like, Suspiria versus Suspiria. I think that's where this film or this franchise probably needs to go in that direction more so. It's like there's some interesting threads to play with with characters across, you know, this franchise where you could tell a really cool tale. It's there. It's just is somebody willing to do it. Or is a studio willing to back it? Would Warner you Bro update it, or would you still make it so that, uh, like, Lancaster Marin was in World War II, and which would require a lot to be, period? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I hate to say it like this, like, I'm kind of burnt out on that time period. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, I get it. It's fucking horrible. It's, you know, it's, an, it's just a horrible time in, in our history, modern history. But um, it's like, I've seen enough films like that. It's like, I don't need to see another one. So now, was he in Nam? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, 73 leading into it, 68 and all that stuff. Who knows? I mean, maybe show how he got to Reagan, maybe what led into that in those gaps. If Pazuzu's been going after him for that long. There's got to be some interesting tales of what happened along the way. You, maybe you don't even have to talk about Mira. Maybe on the trail, mm -hmm. you know, this is what's happening and... This is a result and how it's affecting these people, etc. Just et follow fucking Pazuzu like they're fucking following the goddamn What about Pazuzu's fucking background story and how he showed up in Africa and all stuff? I mean, I know they give you some hints at it, but I'd like to see that. I mean, if they're following every other fucking character in the Conjuring movies, follow Pazuzu. Yeah, dude. Pazuzu! You already got the relic for it. Maybe fucking Marin's not the only fucking priest to piss him off. What if we were to marry the relic... And the, the exorcist, <laughs> Pazuzu, in Chicago. <laughs> have some interesting stories. <laughs> but my point being is, like, I think there is some life left in this franchise. It's just a matter of who gets it and which direction they take it in, of course. This and, wasn't it, but we knew that because this happened no. 15 years ago anyway. So. Right, but I mean, the whole prequel idea is interesting enough. It's just, you know, they didn't execute it well. You know, there's no discredit to the filmmakers and the actors. I think it was more studio in this case. Because mm -hmm. why else would you like... I mean, it's obviously fucking studio. Oh, we considering is like, why else, after you release the beginning, you go back, or turn around and give them $35,000. Like, you know what, let's go ahead and finish your film. And then we'll release it in five fucking theaters and straight to DVD after that. But it wasn't even that. It wasn't Talk like, let's go release your film. It was like, yo, dude, you want to come over here and finish this guy's film? Basically. And he's just like, no, I know the guy. Let me just call him up. <laughs> like, What the fuck, man? Yeah, that's craziness. And to think of some of like the credits we talked about earlier, the prestige with some of these people, it's like crazy, man. 
It's crazy. Neither film deserves Stellan Skarsgård. No, I agree. He's too good for both of those films. And I think that's part of the reason why they're entertaining is because he gives such a good performance. The beginning definitely also did not deserve David Bradley or Alan Ford. That kind of blew my mind when I saw both of them. I was like, what in the hell are they doing in these films? But it was cool to see them. Don't get me wrong, but they weren't used to their potential. Right? Walter Frey walked out and I was like, what the fuck is the first doctor doing here? I know, dude. What the hell? Why is... uh, And then I... (laughs) And then he was underused. He's in, like, that one scene. That's basically it. Yeah, it's fucked up. But, like I said, there's some pretty decent performances, you know? There's, they're not bad performances. It's just, ah, 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 ah. Which is wild because, you know, I do have a history with the franchise, and we'll get into that maybe down the road. But as far as these two films, yeah, it was interesting to, to watch them and see how they were similar and how they were different. And... Now I know. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything outside of that. The scores weren't that great. I mean, they were they were decent. They were I not bad. I love some dog fashion disco, but I really did not notice that they took over and polished the thing. Like That's what I'm saying. There's nothing about the soundtracks that really stood out to me, and that's no discredit. It's just, you know, sometimes it's a character. Sometimes it's not. This time it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll say this. If you are a fan of the franchise, if you are interested in these type of films, it's interesting to watch. Why but not? Yeah, I'd say I wouldn't put these at the top of my list. But if you're into this style of then subgenre, get to it, yeah, like, put it somewhere in the watch list. Yeah. Or if you've already watched it and that's the reason you're listening to us in the first place. <laughs> Let us know how you agree or you disagree. As you watch it like yesterday. <laughs> oh, God. Like, we're not going to tell you to rewatch it then today. No, no, no. no fuck that noise. I, we won't even do that to ourselves. No, no. But, like, <laughs> eventually, it's not bad. Nah. I'll put it this way. If it came on, right, I'm and there was... i turn it off. Yeah, and there was nothing else on, I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll check this off for a little bit. Yeah. And then maybe in a half hour, something else is on. Exactly. It's like, ooh, this movie's on. <laughs> or this show's on. But maybe in that half hour, you catch, like, uh, fucking Jeffrey's dying or something. Yeah, I mean, there's some cool, interesting bits here and there, you know. Or a sudden weird cut to a monkey sitting on edge of a well. <laughs> yeah. Which, that was one of the other things I liked me, just the weird sudden monkey cut. That was cool. That was cool. The fact that it was followed up by the worst jump scare ever is yeah. not its fault. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Oh, one last, well, I don't know about last thing, but one of my last things I will say is I did like the Salvador Dali-esque kind of dream sequence. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool. That was weird. I kind of wish we got more of that. Yeah. I mean, it had to resolve because of what we mentioned earlier when Che Che, you know, when he's possessed, gives him that alternate reality of what would happen if, because mm-hmm. then he winds up in bandages and all that shit and when he peers out, he's back in the cave. That's right. Yeah. So there's a little bit resolved there. But I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I think it was like the counterpoint maybe to Sarah's dream state. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think maybe that was what that was, perhaps. I could see that. I don't know how these two movies happen like this. It is such a weird, interesting side note, actually, in cinema. Because I can't think of another film that has... I mean, there's probably similar tales, but not, not quite this like extent. this. Yeah. Not to this extent. No. It's baffling. Similar things absolutely happen. Have happened in recent years. Solo was took over and reshot a yeah. lot by Ron Howard from um, Miller and Lord. But 
it's not like how this happened <laughs> by no. any stretch of the imagination. It's weird. So yay for that, for making that kind of history. I know, right? For it, giving us the chance to fucking it's a wail in at two fucking movies at once. That you were saying earlier are like 60% similar. 60% but, almost the same film. But it's the bones. It's not the dress. No, no, no. You're right. It's the structure. Yeah. I don't know. Kind I can't. of fuck both of these, but at the same time, I didn't hate it. So. No, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, but eh, eh. Still uh, not the worst films we've ever reviewed. Absolutely. 100% <laughs> not the worst films we've ever reviewed. No, without a doubt. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> so that's about what I can say. It's like, I, I can leave it or take it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, we have next week planned. Yeah, we do. I'm excited about this one. I'm going to get in a little bit basket case. Yeah, I'm going to get a little uh, little casey with this one. <laughs> Interesting film, man. It's wild. I know a little bit about it, and the little bit I know about it sounds wild. So I'm super excited to actually see it because I never have before. So. Nice, man. It's going to bring back some memories for sure for me. Yeah. In order to listen to us talk about that, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now that would be super fucking cool uh also if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now that is also super cool because the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to get up in those math equations also go check out our website www.friedsquirms.com check out our entire back catalog there while you're over at the website click the links up at the top we are part of the earworm podcast network uh, you can listen to the other shows over on the Earverm site. Listen to me talk about nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. Listen to my co-host from there talk about other nerdy shit involving war treatises and war gaming over on the Art of War Gaming. More things to come, hopefully sooner rather than later. We're working through it, getting some shit going. You can contact us through our website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you for so many things. You can also find us on the social media. Search for Fried Squirms. Once again... We enjoy your recommendations. If you have suggestions for us, or if you're an independent filmmaker, have a film that needs some reviews or some plugs, let us know. We're always up for that challenge. Um, that's it. Basket case. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Scrums. Out. <laughs>